Play analysis, Devin Nash be on the mic, so you know it's hella lit. Better plug your headphones in on Apple Podcasts, and we up on Spotify. Ooh, on Anchor too, no parachute, we so fly. We talking sports and music, what's the newest in that culture? Better stream, yeah, you better tune in. It ain't gonna cost ya. We talking sports and music, what's the newest? Got exclusives, yeah, we do this play by play. Follow the page, eh? If you don't know, don't worry about it. What is going on, everybody? What is happening? This is your boy, Devin Ashby. Play-by-play analysis podcast. Devin Ashby, SK play-by-play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. People's champion in the building. I'm joined by the hardest working man in the podcast business. My guy, Jamal Brown. What is going on, sir? What's good, people? I am not the hardest working man because I could always be working harder. But you know what? Ignis don't sleep, so neither do I. What's good, people? I'm here to talk shit because I got a lot of things to get off my mind, off my chest. And you know what? Let's get it. Let's get it. And Jamal, I need your help because I am trying my hardest to make some bad decisions with some money. You know, um, the Rose Bowl tickets are surprisingly cheap even after it's been announced who's playing in them, which we'll get to in a second. But I'm really needing your help to help me not to help me make bad decisions i'm trying i'm trying to get talked out of spending a little money to go down to pasadena and see a game you know a wise man who eats pears once told me you can be a rich nigga make poor decisions or you can be a poor nigga make rich decisions Depends think, on what thought you're in. I think I want to make poor decisions. But anyway, no, no, no. The point is, I don't think it's a poor decision to go to the Rose Bowl. But that neither here nor there. The point is, the reason the Rose Bowl is being talked about now is because that is one of two semifinal games for the college football playoff. And um, the top four teams have been announced. You know, um, it's official now. And we just got to say, you know, a wise man once said some people just want to watch the world burn, you know, like I said on your show, the committee is full of those men that want to watch the world burn. All of those men and women, y'all ain't safe either because there's a few of y'all on the committee, too. Right. Some women, trans, whales, whatever you choose to identify as, just want to watch the world Bronze sexuals, Aubrey sexuals, all type of sexuals. But for those who've been living under a rock, the college football playoff committee named their top four teams, and there was a surprising omission. Um, But first of all, for the teams that did make it, Michigan was number one, no surprise there. Washington, number two, no surprise there. You know, Washington and Michigan both undefeated, won their conference championships. You know, you figure those are the kind of things that would qualify you, right? Mm-hmm. And then three and four is where it got interesting. Texas got in at number three, which I think a lot of people expected them to get in, even if it was three, four, whatever. A lot of people figured Texas would get in. But then the four spot, the University of Alabama, who won the SEC conference, you know, they beat previously undefeated Georgia 
kind of surprising a lot of people with that. I mean, I guess depending on who you ask, it's not terribly surprising to see a Nick Saban team win the SEC, but I guess it was this year. But Alabama and Florida State and Georgia is a three-way kind of like what's going to happen with those three teams. Florida State went undefeated, won the ACC conference, did everything they were supposed to do, but they did it with a third-string backup quarterback. It was not a pretty game whatsoever. Um, but nonetheless, they did what they had to do. And the committee did exactly what a lot of people figured would happen. And the universe, the Florida State Seminoles, who went undefeated and won a Power Five conference championship, were left out. And the University of Alabama was put in. And I just got to say, like Tupac once said, I just got to say, fuck Nick Saban. Fuck the SEC. <laughs> fuck the college football playoff committee as a staff record label and as a motherfucking crew. And if you want to be down with Boo Corrigan in the committee, then fuck you too. Because, man, I'm, 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 yeah. But Jamal, your thoughts on uh, the committee's decision? First off, fuck the committee and the clique you can The committee is full of shit. And we all know that they're full of shit. First of all, the fact that Georgia was even a thought to get in, of uh, you know this one of these things are not like the other, one of these things it doesn't belong. If three out of your four teams are conference champions and you're not, guess what? You don't get in. So Georgia, that's not even an argument. Alabama. Are we are we gonna keep glazing the nuts of, of Alabama? We might as well call this, to quote Shannon Sharp, we might as well call this the Alabama Invitational because that's all it is. That's them glazing Alabama in the conference that they come from. To quote what I saw on ESPN today, I'm going to keep quoting people because people are just right about this. We turned college football into figure skating, into a cheerleading contest, into a food, into a pie judging contest. And that's not to disrespect those disciplines, but it's here to say, we took away facts. We took away figures. We took away numbers. We took away common damn sense. And then we replaced it with an opinion, with a feeling, with what you wanted instead of what was. All they, all they told me is, if your conference is not the SEC, it does not matter. If your name is not Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State, you do not matter. And the regular season for all of football simply does not matter. That's all that you told me. How an undefeated conference champion not get in over a one-loss conference champion? Like I can take, I can take a seven-year-old that understands how records work in pro sports and know, hey, twelve and zero is better than eleven and one. Why are they? Why is eleven and one ahead of twelve and zero? I don't know, little Johnny. I don't know, and apparently neither does the committee. They don't. They never have. Never will. I think that. Uh, yeah. Um, it's just, it's it's real disgusting. Because I, I want people to look at it like this. And it's probably a bad analogy, but I'm going to do it anyway. Imagine the NFL. Imagine the Kansas City Chiefs this year, right? Kansas City Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. And actually, no, no, no. Bad, bad, bad. Never mind. Okay. Imagine the Detroit Lions. You know, we look at the Lions this year. 
they've been bad for about, well, in their case, they've been bad longer than a decade, but just for the sake of argument, let's just talk the last decade, they've been pretty bad. But this year, they're, if not undefeated, close to it. They're the top seed in their conference. They win the NFC North. But the NFL comes back and says, you know what? We're going to leave them out because we want to put in the Dallas Cowboys. Because they're a bigger brand and they're a better team on paper. (laughs) Like, imagine some shit like that happened in the NFL, bro. That's essentially what we're doing right here. It's a bad analogy, but that's essentially what it is. It's just so freaking, like... We figured somebody's fan base was going to be upset. We figured the committee was going to really eat one this year. We, I just, I, and I knew as soon as Texas got in, I kind of knew what was about to happen because Texas and Alabama were always going to be a package deal <laughs> because, to, like, Texas beat Alabama, and that's one of their best wins of the season. So in theory, if you're going to make that argument, then you can't not put Bama in because then it's like, well, <laughs> you know, that on, on its head, that was just going to be the thing. But, I, yeah. I would say they were a package deal, but I, I'm, I'm with you to the point of once I saw Texas was three, I was like, oh, yeah, there, there's, no, there's no question Bama's about to be four. Because despite, you know, me being a big Longhorn, I was I was definitely lobbying for Florida State over Texas because again I use common damn sense. A twelve and zero record is better than eleven and one record. They're an undefeated conference champion. We're a one loss conference champion. So if anything, Texas should have been four, which I was perfectly okay with as long as Florida State was at three. Right. And with that being said, I think Florida State and Texas both should have gotten in. I personally would have been cool not seeing an SEC uh, SEC team get in this year. Personally, because I wanted chaos. I was rooting for the world to burn. I wanted to see SEC fans kicking and screaming like the bitches they are. I, I just I wanted to just see Greg Sankey and his smug face after sitting there. Just the arrogance of SEC and its fans just pisses me off to no end. So I just I just wanted to get some some old fashioned justice. And we just didn't get that. You know, unfortunately, the funniest thing is Georgia being left out because their fans are spoiled. So that 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 was hilarious seeing that happen. But no, Georgia went back to being the Georgia I know and love, choking in every big game possible. Yeah, y'all had a good y'all had a good two years of back to back natties. I can't take that away from you. But what recency bias is not going to let me forget. Two natties right now, cool. Past decade of choking. You can't. I don't forget things. I was there. I watched. We were there. We were there. I I say all the time, you know, when I bring up, you know, throwback stuff that y'all weren't there. I was there for Georgia. I was there when Texas whooped them in the Sugar Bowl. I was there when they lost to OU in the playoff. I was there all the times they lost to Alabama. And look, I, I know you can say it's Alabama whoop de whoop, but guess what? If you lo- if you keep losing in a big game, you keep losing in the big game. Why was Peyton Manning compared to Tom Brady for so many years? It's fairly obvious Peyton Manning was the more talented quarterback, but who did he keep losing to? Point blank. Who did he keep losing to? 
Kept losing to Tom Brady. Kept losing to him. And, yeah. Now, with that being said, I'm going to say this. We know this is about money. I mean, we, we, we're we not dumb. We, we've been watching college football long enough to know, like, we know certain brands attract certain monies. You know, this kind of thing. And you just feel terrible for Florida State. Like, you feel awful. It This shit is disgusting. But there's something that pisses me off even more, is that everybody, and I'm talking everybody from people on the network that I work at to people just in general, when you look through the comment sections of photos, people who work just in the industry in general, every the a common theme that I keep seeing people go back to is, oh, we want to prevent a TCU from happening again. We don't want to see somebody lose 60-whatever to seven is the argument that they keep making. And I must remind people that TCU may have lost 65-7 to seven to Georgia, but they did so in the championship game, not the semis. They beat Michigan. We're not going to sit here and erase history just because they lost 65-7. They beat Michigan fair and square to get to a championship game. We're not going to overlook that. Like, y'all are – TCU is a false equivalent. If y'all want to blame anybody, go look at Oklahoma and the number of times they keep getting in, losing in the semis, blowing leads to Georgia, getting fucked up by Alabama. Go look at Notre Dame and the number of ass whoopings they took in the semifinal games. TCU at least got to a championship. They beat Michigan. Like, that, like so what y'all are saying is y'all want to prevent – Florida State from getting a chance to get to the national championship and embarrass themselves there as opposed to, like, it doesn't make sense to me because y'all say, oh, well, they would get crushed by Georgia. Well, how do we know this if they, if they don't play? They don't play. That's that's the argument people are making all day. Do you think that Florida State would beat Georgia or Bama? Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, we don't know. <laughs> Again, you're con- that is what you, what I think or what you think does not matter as much as what is. And what is, is they are an undefeated conference champion. Georgia lost. They're not even in the conversation. And they have a better record in Alabama. It's that crucial. And to add insult to injury, to your point, not only did TCU beat Michigan before a great second-half comeback started by Michigan, TCU was beating the brakes off Michigan. Beating the brakes off it. Beating them like a disrespectful stepdaddy. So I, we, why are you complaining that they wouldn't have a chance and this and that? But y'all didn't have that same energy for Ohio State a few years ago, right? So, so, so what's Getting the difference that, now? Oklahoma and Notre Dame get in every year. I don't hear nobody complaining. Every well, time they get in, we know they, we know that's a guarantee, though. I talk, if you talk to realistic Oklahoma fans, they'll tell you all the time for the last decade, they've been embarrassing the conference in most big games, too. Right. So it's just like and then on top of that, people. The other thing I've seen a lot of is people pointing to the strength of schedule as a thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I suppose Michigan's schedule was just so daunting and, and, and difficult. Like, oh, like, oh, Michigan. Washington had the best schedule out of anybody. Them, them niggas was beating what was arguably the best conference in football this year in the Pac-12, there, there just no, walking through it. There was no arguable. The Pac-12 
from top to bottom was consistently the best conference yes. of all the football. And nobody like, would it, argue that. Michigan, people were talking about how, oh, they're playing cupcakes. They're playing cupcakes. Now, all of a sudden, that doesn't matter because they beat Ohio State. It, it doesn't matter because they beat one good team. Let, let's remind the people of who they played in the Big Ten Championship. Iowa, whose head coach's son was the O.C., and said, if we can't average, I believe it was 20 points a game, 25 points a game, that he would then, be out. then he would get fired. He resigned halfway through the season because they couldn't average They couldn't average 25 well, points. Well, it, it was some political stuff with that I heard from, from a friend of mine at work who's an Iowa alum and is tapped in. It's, it's, it's deeper. Like they, They've been trying to get rid of him and force him out. Because I of mean, that, but like, I mean, also because his offense was because trapped. of the offense, yeah. But then the the new AD came in and tried to do a power grab, and it's a whole thing. His mess, his mess. But the point is, you beat that team twenty six. You beat that team. You, you scored twenty six on them. But why why are we acting like Nebraska is any better than anybody else in, in the ACC? That was about are to say, acting? yeah. Like the best, the best opponent. Of, okay, Ohio State. They beat. They beat Penn State on the road. Those are two good wins. Which is cool because it's comparing to Florida State, who beat Clemson and on the road, and, and who LS. beat they beat LSU, they beat, beat the brakes off LSU, who's probably about to get the national Heisman Trophy winner, and a Florida State team with a backup quarterback on the road, or a Florida team with a backup quarterback on the road. So, I mean, it's <laughs> one, one of your SEC darlings, by the way. One one of these big bad SEC schools who are just Heads and shoulders above the rest of the country. Right. So it, it's it's just a whole thing. The SEC bias is crazy. It's only going to get worse next year with the expansion. But the other part of it that also kills me, think about the ripple effect this could have in college football. Because I think some people are only thinking about this at surface level. Like They're like, oh, whatever. This essentially is a death note to the ACC conference as we know it. This, the Florida State Seminoles, the University of Miami, Clemson, and I believe North Carolina all spent the majority of the summer trying to find ways to weasel their way out of a new 10-year deal that was signed and leave the ACC and trying to figure out a way to get out. Because if they don't, it's going to cost them a lot of money if they try to leave on their own terms, whatever. They They were looking at trying to lawyer up. And do all types of things to leave that conference, potentially join the SEC, but the SEC didn't want them, so they weren't going to go there. Well, we're not sure where they were going to go, but they were trying to leave the ACC the whole summer. And then eventually they just kind of calmed down for the time being and kept quiet and went and did that. And now, this essentially, there is no reason to, like, what is this summer going to look like now? Because after what happened here, you just effectively told them that their conference is not worth it. And if, you know, like this essentially killed the ACC conference. That's 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 the main thing on top of the main thing. Then also the sport of football. You we are taught as competitors like to go out here and give your all every game. You know you're you're taught that you know hard work, the value of hard work and rewarding and and all these things all these virtues and what makes football so great and all that stuff right none of that matters anymore 
because they did everything they were required to do, everything they were asked to do, everything they were supposed to do. They did it all. They didn't lose a game. There were all types of circumstances. If anything, they should be commended for the way that they went undefeated. I mean, getting knocked down to your third-string quarterback, that defense is championship level. I don't care what anybody says. Florida State's getting, defense. Getting knocked down to your third-string quarterback, who is a true freshman, meaning eight months ago he was in high school. Right, and he probably came to school early because that's the way things are now. So, he, yeah, so you get that. And then on top of all of that, Here's the other main thing. In this era with college football, you know, you see a lot of guys like bowl games are meaningless now, quote unquote, if it's not the playoffs. And so guys sit out games. And there are a lot of people that give guys flack for that. They give players a hard time and coaches, people in the media be like, oh, yeah, why don't they play? Why don't they? Whatever. Well, y'all just flat out told them that the games don't matter. You, you straight up told them the regular season doesn't matter. And, hell, you told them their conference championship doesn't matter. Yeah, so it's like, why should the players care more about something than the people that run the sport? Why? Because like, I, what, I, what, what incentive do they have to care about this if y'all don't as the people that watch it and consume it and run it? <laughs> it's like... You want to make a book off and let, let's call it what the, what majority of them are kids I, I i know you know the covid thing and we joke about bo nicks being 35 but the vast ain't majority no joke of, he is 35 man's the, married the vast majority of the guys on that field are 18 to 21 22 years old right which means they're kids and hell even yeah. bo nicks is only 23 like if we're being real oh we're being real about it any People who are the age of 21 and 22 think they grown. Anyone who is 25 plus would tell you at 21, 22. I was a child. Were, I was, I was a, a child. child. I, I, I didn't know. I was just a child that they allowed to drink and gave a driver's license. Right. That's it. I was a child that was old enough to buy a gun and go in the military. Yeah. You're telling these kids that no matter how hard they work, if they do exactly what they're told, Specifically, if they do exactly what the white man tells them they're supposed to do, it will all work out in the end. And for Florida State, it didn't. Even though they did nothing wrong. So the fuck they did everything right. And, and another thing that I can't stand is Florida State is being punished for absolute... Has got the gauntlet thrown at them. They're being punished for no negative things. Alabama's not being punished for the negative thing they did, which was lose to Texas. You know, this actually is more realistic of a life lesson than any of the other bullshit we've been told. Like, you know, we're taught growing up, oh, you know, the virtue of hard work and all that stuff is what sports teach you, which is kind of sort of true. But we learned something about this scenario that is more real life, especially in the last several decades, and which is that Capitalism rules everything. Cash rules everything around me. And if you're not a money maker, they ain't going to do nothing for you. That's the one thing we've learned. And we also have learned that hard work is not always the case. Sometimes you're going to, even when you work hard, you're going to get beat out because somebody knows a friend of a friend that can get them a job. In this case, Alabama knows a friend of a friend. It's, and it's not even because of the connections they made. If you can't make money, because it's not like Florida State doesn't have a huge... I was about to say, Florida State definitely is a brand. It is 
I can't make as much money. Right. Which, which is, I, which is the dumb thing is I can make you a million, but I can't make you ten million. But the fact that it's still a million means nothing. Because I guarantee this Florida State, it happened to them. They were the culprit this time around. But I guarantee you, if they would have lost and would have been undefeated and it would have been easy to kick them out, they would have found a way to sneak Georgia in and, and, and would have oh. hosed Texas. Oh, I, I absolutely, I, I can almost guarantee Louisville wins that game. It, it's Alabama-Georgia. And they would make sure Alabama-Georgia, uh, Georgia is at uh, three and Bama's at uh Georgia's at four and Bama's at three, so they don't play each other in the first round, so mm-hmm. they can get an SEC national championship. Yep. So I can hear these dumbass fans chant SEC, SEC for the dumbest shit possible. Yes, I know Texas fans did it, and y'all know I hate that. That was that was that was more so being petty. Like I, that was the one time I supported it because oh, that that. Oh, it's was... absolutely fuck the Big Twelve commissioner. <laughs> yeah, no. He's the only man to ever make Texas and the OU. Work together. Work to together. I've never seen that before. Ever. Ever. But yeah, no. To your point, yeah, no. That 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 they definitely would have tried it because they they were they definitely were going to try it. But essentially, college football flat out is about look like yo. It's about who's is it's about they they flat out it's about who viewers want to see because. Anytime there is any semblance of parity in college football, people complain about it. Even though they talk about they want parity. College football, we don't love college football for parity. Like, as much as we try to lie to ourselves and say we do, we don't. No. The ratings prove that. You, you can't love college football for parity because at the end of the day, it will never happen simply because there are too many schools, have too much money, and no matter how much or how much uh, how much other schools want to be and work to be, they just simply will never. I'm a graduate of the University of North Texas. I played ball there for a little bit, and that's cool. UNT is not a little school, nor are they a broke school. But guess what? They'll never be. They'll never be the University of Texas. They'll never be Texas A&M. They'll never be Texas Tech simply because they don't have the money. They don't have the power. They beat they Arkansas, have- though. They did. They did be Arkansas. But that's where the parody thing comes in is parody isn't once in a while. It's not one. It's on a consistent basis. Yeah. Since he got into the playoff two years ago, I believe. Yeah. Uh, is since he a national championship contender more than once every 15, 20 years? Hell no. You could yeah. argue they weren't that year, even though they, were undefeated. they were undefeated. They were undefeated. And even as bad as since he is as a whole, even in down times, where like USC has been for the last decades since before Caleb Williams got there. USC is still a national brand. They still have the alumni base. They still have all the damn money in the world. Same with Miami. That's why, that's why we love college football. Like, no one is out here rooting for Oregon State. That's the thing. I think people confuse parody with upsets. <laughs> Like you, you, we don't want parity. We want underdogs. Underdogs. The reason you're an underdog is because it doesn't happen often. So that's that's what makes college football great is the underdog story, not parity. So like people confuse the two. 
if Cincinnati wins one time in forty years, that's not parody. That's that's the underdog. That's that's all statistically, that's almost dumb luck. Yeah. If UCF goes undefeated and beats Auburn in the Peach Bowl like they did a couple years ago, that's not parody. That's an underdog story. That's what we like about college football. Y'all confuse underdog stories with parody. There is no parody in college football. There never has been. There never will be. Like, no. <laughs> we love and underdog you, stories. And if you want to know the difference, you don't got to look that far. Think right. college basketball. Why do we love tournament time? Because tournament time is full of upsets. Right. But the difference between upset and parody is Harvard going to beat somebody they don't have no business beating once every year in the tournament? Most likely, yeah. Now, let's be real. Is Harvard getting past Duke in the Sweet 16? No. They might. <laughs> Last year. <laughs> Duke may not even get to a Sweet 16. Shit. Hey, well, you know, we don't have to use Duke. Is Harvard going to get past... Who, who's good this is year? Is Harvard going to get past Tennessee? No. Is Harvard going to get past Tennessee? No. no. Is Harvard going to get past UCLA? The thing we love about college football is what you and I say all the time. Anybody can beat anybody one time. And usually that's the only amount of times they'll get. Tennessee beat Alabama for the first time in like 15 tries last year. And that was the last. And last year was the last time Tennessee was relevant since, hell, Peyton Manning. They weren't good when I was a kid. They weren't good with one of my favorite players of all time, Eric Berry. So I... Josh Dobbs was supposed to lead them to the promised land. That didn't happen. So that's the thing. We like upsets. We don't like parody. Because as soon as we got some, we, as soon as we got some change up last year with TCU, everybody was complaining. Y'all love parody until you actually get it. There are some sports where we do like parody, like women's college basketball. Great parody. Love it. You know, <laughs> the, something I truly just thought about earlier today, which we should have thought about, you know, how many years are we in the playoff now? Six? This is ten. Or ten. nine. It's nine. It's been nine since we started this? It started in twenty fourteen. Damn, I'm old. Yeah, anyway, we are old, yeah. What we what should have never why this never crossed anyone's mind, I will never fucking know. We had a four team playoff when college football recognized a power five conference. That's what's funny. Somebody was always gonna get left out who rightfully deserved to play with everyone else. But instead of doing the logical thing of just saying, "Okay, fuck it, let's just make it five and number one seed gets the first round," five. you know what I think they, you know what I think, and I'm not sure this is probably what they were thinking. They probably are just like if somebody says this is why to a committee member, they're gonna be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." Let's go with what he said. The reason I think this happened. They always figure one of them conferences is going to be the odd one out and cannibalize itself. Normally the Pac-12, yep. even though this year the Pac-12 was good. But, like, normally one of the conferences always cannibalizes itself. It's usually either the Big 12 or the Pac-12 traditionally. But, like, SEC, you can always count on a strong SEC opponent. You can always count on a strong Big 10 opponent because it's usually going to be Ohio State or Michigan. And you can always count on um, – uh, what's it called? ACC for the longest time was Florida State or Clemson. So you could always count on them. And then whoever the fourth uh, conference was, it's usually like SEC, ACC, Big Ten. I mean, usually, it didn't matter. Yeah. The committee was going to put two SEC teams in there regardless. Right. And then you, you'd always throw like somebody in there, like a TCU or a Cincinnati or a Notre Dame. 
<laughs> for the fourth team. That's what I guess they felt like they could count on, which in hindsight, I guess maybe they're right. But like you said, a power five conference with a 14 playoff. And then even when we add, people think that anything is going to change with 12 teams. Ain't shit going to change. It's just going to be delaying the inevitable, which is going to be Alabama, Georgia, maybe Texas now, depending on what happens. Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and the usual Tier 1 teams are just going to have more games to whoop ass. You may have an occasional six seed make a run, like if, but it's usually going to be like, oh, if Alabama has a down year and they're in the number six seed, <laughs> this would be something like that. Like, 12 teams is not going to, depending on how they do it, 12 teams ain't going to change nothing. 12 teams. I'm still watching, I'll though. Say, I'll say the 12 teams won't matter conference-wise because, shit, there's only two conferences left anyway, which is basically the Big Ten and the SEC. But even though there are basically only two conferences, there's still technically four. And I can guarantee you eight spots are going to the SEC. And it's going to be from an eight and four, nine and three team. The Big Ten will, pro- will probably get, you know, we're going 12. They'll probably get three. So from what, know, I've, from what I've seen, I think the proposal is it's going to be six – at large bids, I guess, or I mean, I guess that was before the Pac-12 fell apart. But it's going to be like you have six teams that win their conferences, and then six like wild card, quote unquote. So like SEC, Big Ten winners would be guaranteed in a situation this year, like with the Big 12 and the ACC, where Florida State and Texas would both get in. That's four, and then you'd have maybe like if an undefeated SMU wins their conference or if an undefeated like Liberty (laughs) they would probably be five and six or whatever and then you would get the other ones on the other side with the SEC and Big Ten guys who were just outside looking in so like the Georgias the Ole Misses the Ohio States it Penn States like but let's also not forget the fact that a committee is still assigned to this, to choosing the teams, they're going to fuck up. College football's playoff system as a whole, even if we go back to the BCS, it's always been trash because it was a computer doing it before. Now we just got people doing it. I mean, either way, it's always been fucked up. Like, remember when the University of Miami got left out of the 2000 championship and got Florida State got put in ahead of them, even though Florida State beat my, even though Miami beat Florida State, but they still put Florida State in to play Oklahoma. That happened with a computer. So it's been happening since the BCS. But college football's honestly never made sense. It never has. Because we go back to, you know, the before times, before niggas were allowed to play. Hell, even right when niggas were allowed to play. It was voted by journalists. Let's not forget, we didn't play our first actual national championship game until, like, the mid-80s, early 90s. And wait, they've been playing college football literally since the 1800s. I believe the first college football game was Princeton and Rutgers in like 1898. And maybe like 1870s. It's like right after the Civil War ended, niggas just started playing football. It's like, we cannot have this. So <laughs> We can't have another the, one of these. And the thing is, I, I get like in the 20s and 30s and going into the 40s, like airplane travel wasn't as big of a deal. I mean, wasn't as it prominent. Didn't exist. That's why, that's why we invented conferences so teams around each other could play each other. Yeah, it and it would make sense. Yeah, that's but why then, it was so regional. But then, when airplane travel became more regular and plane technology became more formal, people could travel and do all that, and they still didn't play a game. 
But how I know all of that is bullshit, NCAA basketball did it. And you know what else was stupid? Like you said, up until maybe about six, up until maybe like the 70s, you didn't even play a championship game. It's like, oh, you if you win, the, the writers vote, the AP writers vote, like, okay, who was the best team this year? Oh, it was Ole Miss? All right. Well, Ole Miss is declared champion. And that's how you won a championship, based off of the Bro, that's, that's not even the 70s. The first national championship game, I believe, was mid-80s. 80s, yeah. But I'm saying, but before that, before the championship, they would just have people vote. Like, oh, yeah, well... Old Miss is great. Well, uh, Syracuse has a nigger running, so we're not going to vote for them. So Old Miss is champion. And that's how they would vote champion. And then, like you said, they would actually officially pay championships. But then most people didn't even play on TV because only one school, until it was like a lawsuit that happened in like the early 80s, changed everything. Because before that, it was just Notre Dame that was on TV. And then now, then everybody, TV deals became bigger after that. So. Yeah, like you said, college football always been the politics in college football have always been nasty. Like even pre niggas, the fact they wouldn't allow niggas, that was part of it. And then when they did, nasty. I but, mean, yeah. yeah. The point is, I yeah. I remember the first time I ever learned that was watching the movie uh, The Express, talking about Syracuse and Ernie Davis. Yep. Shout out and, to The Express. The Express, and then I remember them having to choose. We could go play Texas in the Cotton Bowl or someone else in, like, the Orange Bowl or something. And they were like, if we beat Texas, we will widely be considered the national champion. I'm like, so y'all don't have a game? Because I'm, like, 12 watching this. How was I supposed to know? They were like, if we beat, he was like, either the Orange Bowl Miami or the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Orange Bowl, we would play somebody. And then in Dallas, we would play Texas, who's ranked behind us. If we win either game, we'll be champions. So you didn't even have to play the number two team to, to be considered a champion. No, you could go beat Joe Schmo, whoever the fuck they were going to beat in the Orange Bowl, and be like, all right, we're champions now. And then the AP would decide who's the actual uh, champion. That's why so many schools have, quote, unquote, claimed national championships. Like, how the fuck you claim? Like, that's not something we agree on. Right. Like, I don't like the SEC, and I don't like Alabama necessarily. But I'm not denying they don't have X amount of championships over the last decade. Right. Yeah, yeah, I ain't stupid. <laughs> I'm not denying science here, you know. Like I have like I have eyes. <laughs> right. Again, it's there. I watched it. Yeah. It happened. Exactly. And speaking of watching something happen, um, back to the present day, the University of Michigan, upon learning that they wouldn't be playing Florida State thinking they were just going to get an easy, I don't know, maybe we're all overdoing it and they're going to be like, oh, y'all read too much into shit and we weren't scared of anybody. Like, they're, they're going to say that. But we know what we saw with our eyes and ears. And We, we, we saw them look scared to fucking death to play we, They saw Alabama and the reaction just wasn't quite as enthusiastic as maybe we would have expected. And they're going to say we're reading too much into it because as athletes you're never going to admit when you're scared of your opponent and I don't think they should be scared of their opponent because Michigan is locked in I think Michigan actually is much better than people give them credit for I actually think they can and probably will beat Alabama I'm not going to ever bet against Nick Saban but Michigan got the people that they can match up with them so I mean the big this year's Alabama team plays right into Big Ten football 
they ground and pound. They're a real physical team. And the last few years with uh, Hertz and uh, Tua and Mac Jones, um, Nick Saban has, you know, become more dynamic and spread the ball around because he was tired of Clemson and Ohio State whooping them with those dynamic offenses, and he needed mm-hmm. to make a change. This year's Bama offense. He went back to his roots this year. It's not super dynamic. Like, Jalen Melrose is, but. Even he's not. He's not the greatest passer of the football. <laughs> and that's, I mean, just athlete, he's pretty dynamic. Yeah. But as a passer of the football, he's not great with it. He's not going to put up great stats. He's improved so much. Don't, please do not take this as me being negative towards Jalen Milrow. Because right. nothing negative to say. He's just improved a lot. Right. And next year, he could be even more deadly, which is scary to think about, depending on next the position. Next year, he will be a Heisman candidate. But it's the simple fact, big, your style is Big Ten football. And Michigan knows how to deal with Big Ten football because I promise you, despite how how shitty Iowa's offense was, Bama's not more physical than the Iowa team. That well, I can well, 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 well. Bama has better athletes than an Iowa team. Like Iowa but, is Iowa's like a poor man's Bama. Like Iowa does everything Bama does. They just don't have biggins. Well, they do have biggins actually. Iowa got cornbread fed. People. That's what I mean. <laughs> so, There's a difference between physicality and then the athleticism to go with that physicality. Right. I would just got I would just got the size in the uh, physicality. They just don't have the athletes to go with it. Right. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I can get that. And then the other thing with Michigan is, just like Alabama has been locked in, Michigan has been locked in. Obviously, they've taken this whole Jim Harbaugh shit personal, and they have every person. <laughs> they have not looked back since. Like they have been locked the fuck in. And they got they got some dogs, especially on defense. I think their defense can match up better with Alabama's offense. You know, the other flip side of the ball, I don't know. Like, I don't know what version of J.J. McCarthy we're going to get against that Bama defense. I have no idea. But Michigan's defense, they got the guys. They got they, that secondary is ridiculous. Like, they, their secondary is crazy. Their linebacking core is crazy. Maybe the D line leaves a little bit to be desired, but I think their D line is good enough to get it done too. It's just a matter of can their offense help them out? Because you know Alabama and, and, you know, whatever. And that's that. The other side, you got Texas and Washington. That is a toss-up because last year they played each other in the Alamo Bowl, and it was a classic. Granted, a lot of people weren't playing on both sides because of, you know, people skipping bowl games and whatnot. But Washington and Texas will be a classic game. I think Texas ultimately can play with anybody in the country and, and can – match their style to do whatever they as long as Xavier Worthy is healthy because he you know he got hurt in the big 12 game if Xavier Worthy if they're if they're at full strength I got Texas they can play with anybody it's gonna be a shootout regardless Pennix Pennix in that receiving core have been dominating college football basically all year. They've had a few scares. Well, so has Texas, so we're not. I'm Everybody's not had scares this year. There is no team in the country that has just dominated, well, Michigan because they played okay. Harper School for and the it, Blind. But, and Oregon, for the most part, except against Washington, but they're not in, you know, they're not in the conversation right now. Right. So I, I think, like you said, Texas can play with anybody in the country. They have, they've already matched the physicality of Bama, so they have already shown they can do that. And obviously, their skills and their dynamic offense 
can pretty much match with anyone, but so can Washington. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, I think just up front, Washington doesn't have the beef and the athleticism and the physicality to deal with the Texas front seven, which has shown to be elite throughout the basically the entire year. Yep. Their secondary has a little to be desired, which Penix will take advantage of. I'm saying it's going to be a high-scoring game, so I'm saying like 38-35 Texas. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But, yeah, New Year's Day. I can't wait. Regardless of how Florida State was done dirty, I still can't wait. It's going to be fun regardless. We have reached my favorite part of the show. It's a segment I like to call Big Time Plays of the Day, dedicated to all of the headlines, both in sports and around the world. So, obviously, the pros took a backseat to college football this week, but only for a second because there were some big games this week, and obviously the biggest and most hyped football game of the season was this weekend. It was this NFC Championship rematch between the 49ers and Eagles at the same spot as last year in the Lincoln Memorial or Lincoln Financial Field. Um, And this time around did not really go in the Eagles' favor like they would have wanted. This is what – this game had a lot leading up to it. I mean, there was a lot of bad blood because of how last year ended. You know, obviously Brock Purdy tearing his UCL – in a freak accident and Eagles fans swear that it wouldn't have mattered if he played, they would have won. And 49ers fans and players have spent the entire summer bitching and whining about how they would have won the game if Brock Purdy was healthy. There was trash talk leading up to the game. Niggas was walking through each other's warmups. You got Italian security guards fighting players, all of this type of shit. But at the end of the day, the 49ers walked it like they talked it. They won 45 to 19. They beat them boys like they stole beat something. Beat the brakes off of them boys. And I am so happy because Eagles fans need to be humbled. I'm sick of those damn fans, bro. Like, I hate Eagles fans more than I hate the team. Fuck Eagles fans, bitch-ass niggas. All this complaint. And now they still talking even after talking about, oh, congrats, you know, this is y'all Super Bowl. Like, no, no, no. Y'all wasn't talking all that big stuff before when y'all thought y'all was going to win. No, no. Mm-hmm. Take your pumps. Like, you've been talking mad Hold shit. Hold this L. With you and your fucking tush push, well, guess what? Your tush push got pushed back. It's okay to take that L. That's what happened. You can't deny it. You can't fight it. And it's cool because you, most likely you're going to see him again. And I think that the 49ers kind of settled it. They are the best team in football. Yep. And the other thing, too, is the NFC... I think a lot of us owe the NFC an apology because we came into the season. Everybody was like, oh, the AFC is the superior conference and all this stuff. And I don't think that's the case. The AFC has the names at quarterback, but the NFC got all the better teams. That's been the case throughout this year. The Eagles, the Cowboys, the 49ers will smoke anybody in the AFC because AFC got the quarterbacks. They got the Lamars and the Mahomes and the Herberts, the Josh Allens, the, the, the Trevor Lawrences. They got that. But the AFC, the NFC got way better top-to-bottom units. And the thing is, because of dumb luck and injuries, the AFC is so wide open. Those teams who we assumed were top teams can't say they are. Yes, they still have a winning record, but Jacksonville lost Trevor Lawrence tonight. So 
I, they may make the playoffs, but to say they're going to make any noise would be a lie. Uh, they lost to Cincy. Cincy lost Joe Burrow two weeks ago. Yep. Two weeks ago. He's not coming back. That's the end of their of their luck. The Chargers are charging, so Justin Herbert will only be able to do so much. The Bills so, are going to do the Bills thing. The Bills are going to build. Pat Mahomes does, has not looked great this year. And Which we're about to get Chiefs. But one thing we can say is Pat Mahomes knows how to just find a way to pull a win out of his ass. No, 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 no. I'm not giving him that this year. Look, look, the Chiefs are like a black parent when they tell you directions one time. They are not repeating. You know, I don't see them repeat. This this is this is disgusting. They are Travis Kelsey or Bust. I do not trust the Chiefs at all, bro. Like this I is mean, the, and, and, and somehow, like, I, I understand people are going to say that, like, oh, yeah, you know, it's Pat Mahomes, and I, somehow I think they're going to find a win. But this year is just too wide open. There's just too many other squads this year. It's not like previous years where it was pretty, like, like you know, there are previous years where the Chiefs could kind of get away with it. I don't know if they can do that this year because there's just so much uncertainty, and these guys have not this deep into the season still haven't proved that they can be trusted yet. Like, and it doesn't even show any signs of them figuring it out. And you know why you have the luxury of thinking that? Because, for one, he's not in your division. That's true. Two, he's not in your conference. That's true. So you would have to worry about him until you see him in the Super Bowl anyway. But as someone who plays him twice a year, as someone who his his uh, magic shit affects my playoff standings every game, every time he touches the field, I cannot bet against Pat Mahomes despite how he looks at one t- certain time and despite how the Kansas City Chiefs are playing at one certain time. Because one too many times, too, too many times, I've seen him pull a rabbit out of his ass in a W in the win column. So until he is down and out with zero 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 on the clock, I can't count out Pat Mahomes. I simply cannot. I'm just saying, he is running quickly out of rabbits. <laughs> you know what? You may be right, but it seems like every time you think he don't have a rabbit, bam, some more ears pop up. You're like, how, Pat? Where the fuck is the Ow. rabbit? <laughs> Get a rabbit? Like... Just start pulling jackrabbits out. Just... I thought it was rabbit season. Right. He's like, oh, duck season. It's nasty work. And Justin Herbert was an organ duck. So, uh, but it it it's it, speaking of Justin Herbert, bro. I Quentin Johnson. I need to understand Coupon Tom's philosophy of drafting him ahead of Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, Roman Wilson, can... Rasheed Rice. Um and who else? It was it was two other guys' names that I can't even Puka Nakua. Like all of these receivers that were drafted ahead of and I was one of those guys that felt like maybe Quentin Quentin Johnson had a target because you know he's six four, two whatever, and could run like the wind and I saw him in that national championship game and how good he looked and I figured, you know, maybe they could make it work. Maybe, you know, they could figure it out because it's Justin Herbert. And for some reason, something about TCU wide receivers. I just don't understand how they keep getting drafted. I I truly don't. I can under I can tell you the thought process of it. Because look, Keenan ain't getting no younger. Um and he's expensive. Him and Mike are expensive. 
And before Mike before Mike Williams got hurt this year, I probably would have told you, hey, we're probably going to cut Keenan because he's older. Mike is slightly cheaper and a little bit younger, so we'll have more time with him, which makes sense. So we drafted a guy we're grooming to be a number one receiver. And I mean, no, but that can, part, that part I get, but it, it was the wrong guy. Like there were so many other guys. I mean, this draft as a, from top to bottom receiver wise, yeah. wasn't as strong as some of the other years, but I mean, if we're talking actual potential, the attributes, only two guys, yeah. the only two guys who were even close were Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison, right? Well, Jordan Addison is basically just Mike Williams. He's big, he's big, he's good for 50, 50 balls and he's a deep threat, but he's not really fast. And we're like, we already got a bunch of slow guys, so adding another one is not going to help. And Zay Flowers, while he is fast, look, how many 5'10 number one targets do you know? Tyreek Hill and... <laughs> exactly, exactly. And not even just currently, how many 5'10 number one targets can you think of over the last decade? The only one I think of is Antonio Brown. And yes, he is Hall of Fame talent. He's that kind of special. Also special Ed, but we don't need to get into that. Right, right. So we were just, look, we can have the 5'10 speedy guy who could a great compliment, <laughs> but not have a true number one, which is never good. Or we could have just another Mike Williams clone. So we're like, fuck it, let's go with the big, tall, athletic, fast guy. Because, yeah, that's game. the thing. On on In a vacuum, like, yeah, if you get a 6'3", 220-pound target. Yeah. Guy who runs a 4-4. Four, four, runs a 4-4, can gallop, can run like the wind. Who, yeah, that's what you choose. Yeah. And then we did. And guys and see, eat. Yeah. You get and you the, see the results that it got us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But again, like I said, I mean, you look at the, all the guys ahead of him, like Tank oh. Dale, Josh Downs, Puka Nakula, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison. Believe me, bro. I've been seen. <laughs> I done seen that graphic so many times, and I'm just like, rationally, it was the right decision, and it just, it just bitching ass. Like, you ever been to a restaurant, and you they have a new item on the menu, and you're like, I don't know about it. I'm just going to stick with my old trusty. Yeah. And your old trusty is like. It's alright. It hits how it always hits. Ain't nothing special, but it fills me up. And then whoever you went to the restaurant with, your homie, your girl, whatever, they ordered the new thing, and it just looks amazing. Yep. Yep. There's nothing I hate more than spending money on bad food or food that's underwhelming. Uh, And then you can't ask them for none because it's like, why didn't you order it? You had the chance and you just got to sit there. But if it's like your girl, you just steal it off her plate. So you can find a way to trade for one of those other guys. I'm joking. But, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's what it is. But, you know, fucking commanders. But that's all I'm going to say about them. Okay, so this is nasty work. It's, it's real nasty work out here. It's um, But I, I, I will say that, uh, yeah, the, this NFL weekend was a lot of atrocious games. Apparently, you saw that um, the, the New York Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, is, quote, unquote, reluctant to play again, even though the coach is shooting that report down, but I don't think the coach can meet can read minds. Like, what the fuck he supposed to say? Right, Zach ain't gonna say nothing to you, but I'm sure privately in his head he's probably like, bro, I'm fuck y'all. I'm like, sick first, of this first of all, y'all, y'all not gonna bench me twice. That that's what's just not gonna happen. At one point, made me inactive during game day. At one point, like, 
for Tim like, Boyle, and then and then y'all gonna come and put me in a position where I'm just gonna not like this whole position. And it's the same thing I would be saying with Mac Jones in New England. It's like y'all not gonna keep doing this this uh, rigmarole shit that y'all doing, bro. Like, no, you, you're gonna have to pick one. Either look, it's not like our quarterback situation could get any worse. It really could. And you're not going to bring anybody in off the streets. So, like, what are we doing? Either stick with me the whole way or don't. It's like, like yeah. Work, the worst thing you can do is, the the absolute worst that could happen is I play okay, and instead of a top five pick, we get a top ten pick. But still won't happen. Because it's like, bro, at this point, like, y'all have ruined this. I mean, he was bad anyway. But, like, there's no coming back from this. With Zach Wilson, like none. And the thing is, it's not like your season had any hope left. Mm-hmm. If you're hanging on to the hope for Aaron Rodgers, stop it. He's 39. I don't get. I don't care about any of this shit that's being reported. I don't care about what you see. Oh, he's throwing. He he's jogging. Whatever. He's 39. He's not coming back this year. Well, no. Just let's like, say he comes back. Like, why would you bring him back in the first place? What is there to bring him back for? other than to satisfy his ego because you're not going to put him out there behind that offensive line. That's kind of how you got here in the first place. <laughs> and you, the I team the is out of the playoffs, nothing to play for, anything. So so you might as well just stick out, get this top five pick, and another thing, maybe Zach Wilson gets some trade value. Maybe he, had, he oh, plays no. two three good games. You might be able, instead of a seventh, you might be able to get a fifth. Right. But the point is, do not play Aaron Rodgers because you don't want him to die. Like this next person on our segment, you played yourself dedicated to the people that are going straight to hell. And hell has a five-star prospect that they have not seen. We thought that the queen was the first one, but if the devil is Nick Saban, he just got his next five-star recruit. Henry Kissinger has died at the age of 100. The OG of war criminals. Henry Kissinger. Somehow that man lived to be 100 years old. Some things are just not fair in life because the amount of blood that he has on his hands, the trail of destruction that he has left shaped the modern day American war machine as we know it. These forever wars that America keeps going to, like whether it's Iraq, Afghanistan, all the bullshit with Ukraine, this stuff with Israel, all of this, the foundation was laid by Henry Kissinger. That is an evil man. And he's dead. Couldn't have died fast enough. I was surprised he was actually still alive, first of all. But could not die fast enough. The OG war criminal himself. Like like I said, him and the queen down there running that read option offense in hell to perfection. Because the read read option offense in hell. Triple option? Triple option. Well, it depends on who the next person is. If, 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 uh... Hillary Clinton or or uh, Donald Trump were to fall over tomorrow, or if Netanyahu were to die in the next two days, then maybe. But like, it's it, this is this is, Do you understand how much of a war criminal you have to be? Look up Cambodia, for example. Like they, to this day, Cambodia is fucked up because of him. But you know, Cambodia, the whole Vietnam thing. He 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 did a lot of stuff in Cambodia. It's disgusting. Like, there are bombs to this day that still have not been exploded that America just dropped in Cambodia that, you know, like, still active. The wrong farmer digs in the wrong spot. Loses his entire crop. 
you know. But do you understand how terrible of a war criminal you got to be to win the Nobel Prize for a war that you started? For ending a war that you started? You know what I learned? That the Nobel Peace Prize is literally anything but peaceful. Exactly. They gave it to freaking everybody. There's a lot of people that got one where it's like, bro, didn't... They gave it to Einstein. For, for developing helping, a nuclear bomb. Help creating the first nuke. I'm like, um, what shit peaceful about that? I think they, I believe they gave it to when Nelson Mandela and Declare, I forgot his first name, but when he, when they ended apartheid together, they gave him a Nobel Prize to Declare, like a double prize to Declare and Mandela. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Declare gets a prize for ending some bullshit that he started? You Only gonna, one of them went to jail. <laughs> you gonna give him the prize for starting this shit and then because he decides, hey, let's end it. Now he gets a peace prize. What the fuck? I mean, they gave it to Obama. And even Obama was a little confused. Like, um, I don't, I haven't done anything yet, but uh, I cool. You don't turn it down. They gave it to Obama after drone warfare was perfected this, during the Obama administration. That's the thing. That's why it was so confusing. I think it was before. He perfected drone warfare. Henry Kissinger, bro. Imagine, I saw like a segment, I think it was like the Today Show or one of them. They did like a segment where they were just naming like Oh, who was the old, who was the goat of, goat war, of war criminals? And Henry Kissinger's up there and they were like, that was the word. It was like, somebody was like, Andrew Jackson. And he's like, well, 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 hold on. No, no, no. That's different. I mean, he's got the numbers. Like, he's just like, Henry Kissinger is the OG. He just got the rings. He's like, yo, kiss the rings, bitch. No, that's really what it is. Like, it's the, that's crazy to think about, bro. That man lived for a hundred years. Nothing no, but destruction his entire. Because even after he kind of sort of retired, he was still an advisor to a bunch of presidents afterwards. Like, that man is evil. Look, I, can, I can explain it. God don't like ugly. And God was like, no, no, no. You're not even coming in the death realm while, uh, as long as I can help it. We are... God gonna re- God gonna put him up on Rico charges. Like it, it's just gonna be you just leaving you alive long enough to let you just keep adding it up, and you gonna get there. He, oh, we've been waiting for you. I was like, <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> why are you we, even we, in the line? Why are you we, even in the line right now? Like, what? Why? Why are you walking up to me smiling, thinking you like what? What do you? What do you? What do you, what do you and I even have to talk about? Why are you like, in you, this line? Why are you fooling yourself? Go on ahead and log out for me. But you you get to the line and Peter is just like we're not having this. We're not having this conversation. Like to, uh-uh. you know what it uh-uh. is. Go over there. Go go on. <laughs> Henry, the the audacity of mitigated goal for you to even be standing in my face right now. <laughs> nah, but yeah, Henry Kissinger is dead, and I know he is looking up and proud of what he has accomplished. Looking up from hell. At what he has accomplished up here, bro. Because this is his nasty work. Can't even say rest in peace to that man. Fuck him. Rest in peace to all the people that he killed. That died on his watch. You know? But that being said, that was a real dark segment. Let's turn it over to some positivity. <laughs> uh, 
we witnessed the return of the best, one of the best players in college basketball. It was a very weird saga down there in the Bayou, in LSU. But the Bayou Barbie is back. Angel Reese, my good Baltimore sister, is back. She had 19-9 in her debut, but that's not important, neither here nor there. The important part is she is back playing, and whatever it is that was going on, at least for the time being, it looks like it's over and she can focus. And, and it's and it's cool that LSU kind of rallied around and protected her. You know, they didn't air her grief, air her shit out. It was a lot of rumors flying around, and they just didn't dignify any of them with a response, and that's cool. You know, hopefully whatever it is, everybody's kind of learned from it. Hopefully, you know, she can be better because of this scenario. And hopefully LSU can kind of get their focus back on track. They haven't really... Aside from that Colorado loss, they haven't really fumbled, but it's just been very disjointed throughout the entire season. So hopefully this stuff can help them be better and they can get right. But shout out to Angel Reese for being back. And look, we're, like I said about college football earlier, Angel Reese is a, she's a junior, I believe. Is she going, or is she a senior? I want to say she's a Junior. I, I want to say she was a sophomore. Yes, I think she's a junior this year. I think. Or she she might be a senior, I don't know. But she's draft eligible, I believe, this year or next. I don't know. Because COVID's weird, so I can't even keep up with people. But, yeah. Let's say she's a junior. Let's just say for fun. But we'll, we'll say she's a junior for shits and giggles. But, yes, she is a junior. I have checked. She's a junior. So, let's not forget... She's a kid. She's had a bunch of, her life has changed so much from last summer, from the summer of her sophomore year to the time that that is right now. Right. She A lot has happened. She's reached new levels of, of fame. And all let's not pretend that we know what fame is like, but we all know fame is hard. Right. She might have got a little too jaded. She might have got a little too much. Jaded, maybe. And, and look, shit happens and you know what at least she had a coach like you said that didn't air out her dirty laundry that said we're handling everything in house and we know she has a coach who can deal with it that say look and I think it sent a great message to her as a person as a scholar and as an athlete to say look you are not bigger than this team you going through some shit guess what you finna sit right she didn't even travel for a, for a few chunks of them so Look, we're happy to see Angel Reese back on the court. More importantly, we're happy to see a young lady who, for the most part of what the public can tell, has her life more together. Right, right. You know, and a lot of hating ass bitches in, in, in the comments sections. You know, that's why I don't read the comment sections no more because it's a lot of racism. It's a lot of stuff. People hate confident black women that got their back. That's that's really what it is. But that's, that's another conversation for another podcast. That being said, we're going to move on. Now, that being said, we're going to wrap it up with one final segment and and this one is a little bit painful the college football we were talking we started the show with college football we're going to end the show with college football because this year regardless of how everything ends is the end of a number of eras but arguably one of the biggest is that the SEC on CBS is no more this is the final season before the SEC moves to the four letters and ESPN. Um, 
what an era, man. We 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 grew up. That's our childhood, you and me. Like, because we're 27, 28, 26, whatever. Like, we grew up with the SEC on CBS. Some of the most memorable players we've seen. Guys like those, those Florida Gator teams. You know, some of the early... Bama teams, watching Johnny Manziel. I mean, the kick six at all. Like, it's just so many things that we grew up with. And, and it made me, like, I, I joke around, you know, like, some, I'm halfway serious when I say fuck the SEC. But, like, no, the SEC as a conference, like, they, it's different down there for a reason. Like, it made you really want to feel like you were a part of it. Like, it, there's so many places I want to visit now just because of the SEC on, on CBS. You know, like I want to go down to an LSU game. I want to go down to a Bama game. Hell, at one point they even made Arkansas look cool, like <laughs> which is crazy to think about. But like, yeah. Hey, you know, shout out to Darren McFadden. He's shout out to Darren McFadden. You know, shout it's out there. Oh seven. I believe so. Yeah, oh seven, oh six, maybe oh seven, oh six. You know, so SEC on CBS. But that being said, I got to ask you, Jamal, as somebody that grew up in that region of the woods. Even, you know, Texas is obviously Big 12, but, like, as somebody that grew up down in that area where football is life, you know, watching the SEC on CBS, what were some of your most memorable moments that you'll remember? Okay, it was 09, NCAA 09. Um, I think I have to go with a real cliche moment because it was the kick six. Man. It, it had to be the kick six simply because, look, I'd seen at that point in my life, I had seen comebacks. I had seen game winning drives. I had seen great teams play great games. I have never seen a kickoff, which we all thought that game was just going to overtime. St. Nick was kicking the field goal, honestly, for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, nothing bad can happen if I miss this kick. Clearly, he was wrong. Yeah, that slow-ass return team he had. I believe that was Nick Marshall's no. Auburn team? Yes, it was. That was the one that went to a national title and lost to James. Yes, that was Nick Marshall's na- national championship team because I remember he, for whatever reason, he didn't try to go to the league as a quarterback. He tried DB. I don't know if he ever made it. That's not important. But, yes, watching that kick six on on my CBS channel, which here in Dallas is 11, I watched that shit over and over just trying to see did he step out how did he do it and why was there nobody fast on the on the field goal team it was all linemen it was all linemen it was it was all and you can't blame it like how many people return a kick off 100 yards like you know I, i'm not gonna sit here and like blame saving for like oh where's the speed like it's a kickoff team you know but I can't. Your your placeholder might be your fastest person, and a placeholder is either the punter or the backup kicker or the backup quarterback. Right, and they generally are the last line of defense anyway. So it's like the thing that made it even funnier is like I remember there was a time people thought the dynasty was over back then, like when Saban lost that game and McCarron basically it was his last year there, and he had won two titles and brought Alabama back. Everybody thought the dynasty was over back then. You know how many times we've thought Nick Saban dynasty is over? We thought it was earlier this year. We thought it was over this year. Georgia, back-to-back, everybody thought maybe they might three-peat. The, the, the dynasty's over for Nick Saban. But it's like the second or third iteration of his dynasty is occasionally being over. I thought there were people saying that following year when they went into A&M and damn near lost again because they had lost. I think they had, that might have been the same year. No, 
No, it was the year before. Oh, John, Johnny was one and one. Yeah, it was, yeah, but the the one he lost, it was nasty because it was like they gave up like forty five points, and everybody was like, "Oh, this is the worst Nick Saban team he's had in years," and then they ended up winning that year. <laughs> it's just like, but that was the year they McCarron's last year before he went off him and 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 uh, Trent Richardson, all the all them guys when they left. So, kick six is up there for me. It's also. The Tyron Matthew season uh, was my most memorable. Like watching Tyron Matthew, just like the punt return he had in the SEC championship. You know the punt return he had against Arkansas. Like that Tyron Matthew season was one for the ages. Cam Newton, <laughs> you know, watching Cam Newton at Auburn. You know, like. Even some of those South Carolina teams, like when Steve Spurrier was there and they had Jadeveon Clowney. South Carolina, I was a big follower of Tennessee because, you know, I, I've always loved my man Eric Berry. In case you've never heard the Eric Berry for Heisman.com song, mm-hmm. oh, it's great. Uh, even Arkansas, mainly because Arkansas just always recruited a bunch of Texas kids. Uh, okay. We can go back to Ryan Mallett. Uh, Rest in peace uh, to him. Rest, rest in peace to Ryan. Of course, going to Derek McFadden. Um, I remember joking with my dad when I was a kid that I did not know that USC was Southern California. Yeah, that was the thing. Every time I see it now, it's like I didn't. They'd be like, "Oh, the real USC," and it's like, "Oh, okay." And I'm it's like, the same oh. same thing with Alabama recruits. Hella like DC kids. Like it's a number. Like even the guys that end up transferring from Alabama, it's a lot of them from Maryland. Like, it's a lot of D.C. kids from Alabama. Or, I mean, shit. There's a lot of D.C. kids in Alabama, right? Like, Trevon Diggs, for example. Or, like, you know, it's a lot of them kids that went to schools up where I'm from. So, like, that's why a lot of... Like, my brother, he's like, that's why he fucked with Nick Saban because he always was recruiting D.C. kids. And it was funny because Florida, one of their best players is from D.C., Joe Hayden. Went to friendship. <laughs> friendship. I don't know Joe was from DMV. Yeah, he went to friends friendly friend friendship friendly one of those friendly friendly high school. That's what it's called. He was a quarterback in high school, but he wasn't playing quarterback at Florida for obvious reasons. Like even if Tim Tebow didn't go there, you still had Chris Leak and Cam Newton. So he wasn't, you know. Cam Newton. Cam Newton was a stolen laptop away from replacing Tim Tebow. Well, he probably was never going to do that, but. Yeah, so that, Johnny Menzo. But, yeah, shout-out to SEC on CBS. Thank you for all the memories. Hopefully, you know, going to do some great things with the Big Ten. You know, imagine the game with Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson. You know, you're going to have to wait till the end of the season to get games like that. But either way, you know, Penn State Michigan would be cool, you know. But watching Ohio State and Rutgers may not hit as much as watching – it, it's it's not like it, I couldn't tell you. I mean, we'll see because they're gonna they're gonna do it because they're good enough. They're good enough at their jobs that they're gonna make it work. But like, man, <laughs> we had a great growing up, man. That's crazy. Yeah. The world is never gonna be the same. It's different. It's different areas out here. But you know, embrace good change. It's still college football. We're still gonna watch it either way. So, you know. 
That being said, we are going to wrap up another fantastic episode. I want to thank Jamal for coming here to talk shit about the committee with me. Of course. This is what we do. And you know, Florida State, I'm not saying you should sue. I'm not saying you shouldn't sue. I don't know who you would, but you should do something. I think they might have sued already. I saw a note floating around that they're thinking about it. Which, I don't know, that's not going to do nothing. <laughs> they ain't going to happen nothing this year. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And they'll probably use this as motivation next year anyway. So, you know, Mike Norvell is building something there. So, uh, you just hope they can keep it up. But, yeah, that being said, play-by-play analysis podcast. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. And we're going to see y'all when we see y'all. Deuces. We out.